You look weary. Come closer. <laughs> I am the teller. Tales of wonder. Tales of light and dark. There are all manner of stories here. So come. Sit by the fire. Let me tell you a story. Hello, and welcome to the fire. In this episode's tale, we see the conclusion to last week's episode, Tale of the HMS Nightstalker, Part 1. If you were absent at the fire last, then return to that episode first before venturing ahead. When we left Midshipman Barney Fitzgerald aboard the HMS Nightstalker, the crew had all disappeared. Thick fog had consumed the ship, and cannon fire from unseen ships was raining down. Will the arrogant and soft-handed Fitzgerald find a way forward in this gruesome place? Or will he succumb to the strange and mystifying forces at work aboard the Nightstalker? May I present the tale of the HMS Nightstalker, Part 2. Barney Fitzgerald was paralyzed with fear. He crouched at the base of the stairs that led up to the deck. In his belt, he had attached a sword he had grabbed from Captain Bellwether's office. It had a gold handle and matching gold scabbard. Bellwether had taken great pleasure in showing it off on the day of Fitzgerald's arrival on the HMS Nightstalker. He claimed it had been a gift from Lord Nelson for services rendered at the Battle of Trafalgar. It had not yet seen combat in the hands of the captain. It may now get its day, Midshipman Barney Fitzgerald thought to himself. In his belt, a loaded pistol sat. This was his own and had been his father's. It too had never fired a shot. In his hands, he clutched the rifle he had grabbed from the untouched rifle bay below deck. It too was loaded, but had no doubt taken the life of many a Frenchman or Spaniard over the years. Fitzgerald tried to control his breathing, but found he could not settle. He was terrified. He was two months into a naval career, thrust upon him by his father, and had not seen combat outside of a tavern brawl with a drunkard when he was fifteen years old. Now he was alone, on the HMS Nightstalker, surrounded by a fog that hid an untold amount of unseen enemies. The cannon fire had not resumed since he had been below deck. He was unsure if the great orange fire he had seen burning through the fog atop the crow's nest was still there. He would need to check. But to check, he would have to first galvanise his spirit. But as he crouched at the base of the stairs, his rifle shaking in his hands, his mind only brought forth the memories of the past times of his life before the ship. Dice games in the blue bell, ambling across the green gentle fields of Hertfordshire, laying with Bessie Brewer in the heat of the July sun in her father's garden his soft, easy life of luxury, and the sweet tastes and smells that it had brought him. Now his senses were assaulted by the acrid stench of gunpowder and the unfathomable amount of blood atop the deck. In truth, he had no idea what to do. He was not trained for this. His skills and will not forged in the crucible of naval combat, 
He was a soft-handed and weak-willed child, and he knew it. But the crew were gone, the officers too. Even the Captain Bellwether, who he had hated with a passion as hot as the sun, was absent and unaccounted for. He was the last man standing. Fitzgerald heard a gentle dripping from the stairs above him, shaking his head to dispel his thoughts of home and Bessie's heaving breasts. He looked upwards. At first he could not work out what he was seeing, but it soon dawned on him. The blood on the deck was running forth, like a slow-moving river, down the steps towards him. His breath failed him once more, shaking out of him in contorted and desperate bursts. Dropping a hand from the rifle, he struck himself across the face. Get a grip, man, he shouted to himself. He had to move. Closing his eyes, he took a long and deep breath as he cocked the rifle. He had to face whatever was on deck. He moved. He charged up the steps, careful not to slip on the rising stream of blood. He jumped up the last step and spun around wildly with the rifle. He scanned the deck. Empty. Still empty. He looked north to spot the great inferno that had alerted him in the crow's nest. It too was gone, extinguished from sight. He allowed himself a brief moment to breathe again. At that moment he seemed to be safe. Carefully, he stalked the deck, rifle raised and ready to let loose at a moment's notice. Inch by inch, he swept the deck, looking for any telltale sign of what had happened when he was aloft in the crow's nest. But there was nothing. The cannons were loaded, but unfired. The sails hung suspended in the night air, no longer billowing with the winds from the south. Fitzgerald stood still and lowered his shaking hands that clutched the rifle. Danger no longer seemed so imminent. But what could he do now? He surveyed the ship and tried to recall any half-memory from any of the hundreds of conversations he had been privy to since boarding the ship. Nothing came to him. He shook his head, raising one shaking hand to wipe the emerging sweat on his brow. He would have to do something. Anything. As it stood, he was now the captain of the HMS Nightstalker, by process of elimination alone. But despite that being the lowest form of authority given to a man, he still had it. And this ship was a symbol of the British Navy. As such, he had to do something. Fitzgerald slung the rifle over his shoulder and made his way across the deck towards the stern and the bridge. He looked up the wooden steps that led to the helm. They too were soaked in sourceless blood, but he ignored that, intent on maintaining the fragile sense of self-control he had mustered since rising from the bowels of the ship. The bridge was a wide area of the ship, with the ship's helm rising proudly from its centre. It was a rule of all naval fleets that when a ship was in service, an officer must be at the helm at all times. As Fitzgerald approached it, he knew that he was now that officer, despite his utter lack of experience. He laid a hand on the wheel and examined it. It was pristine oak, varnished with some slick liquid, to give it a glossy and clean presentation. It sat on a large square section of wood that jutted up from the deck. He inspected it and looked from the wheel to the sails. He was not a fool. He understood the basic mechanics of a ship. But as he held the cold cool of the wooden wheel in his hands and gazed upwards at the sail, he could not for the life of him link the two together. How did they relate? 
The sails, of course, relied on the movements and the ferocity of the winds, the power source of the movements of any ship, so the wheel could not control them. Fitzgerald closed his eyes, recalling memories of his first day on board the Night Stalker. He was stood on the bridge with the other officers. Captain Bellwether stood proud as a peacock at the helm. He was barking at the officers, their duties, and how if the time came, they would need to be ready to take charge of the ship, if God so deigned to strike down every man above him. But as soon as the Captain Bellwether clutched in his memory, grabbed hold of the helm, and began to explain its mechanism, the soft and sweet scent and memory of Betty Brewer loomed in Fitzgerald's mind instead, her insatiable whisperings to him in the tavern owned by her father, the way she always bent over, resting her breasts on Fitzgerald's arm as she poured him a drink. Goddamn fool! Fitzgerald shouted, slamming his hand down on the helm. How could he have allowed himself to daydream in such a moment of importance? Angrily, he spun the wheel to the left, slowly but surely, the night stalker turned, so slight it was almost imperceptible. Fitzgerald turned back to the wheel and turned it again, this time to the right, and looked ahead at the main mast. It turned with the movement of the ship, banking to the right. Of course, Fitzgerald shouted with delight, the bloody rudder! How could have you forgot the monstrous behemoth of wood that jutted downwards from the stern into the sea? The memory came back to him now, unencumbered, with the salacious grinning of Betty Brewer. The helm controlled the rudder, and as such the entire movement of the ship. Fitzgerald laughed as he took hold of the helm, but then paused as quickly as he had started. Controlling the helm meant nothing, if there was not a fair wind in which to power the ship forward. Fitzgerald looked back up at the sails. They barely fluttered or flew, drooping downward against the masts and riggings like a tablecloth. Damn it, Fitzgerald muttered. There was nothing he'd do but wait for a wind. He felt a cold chill pass over him from behind, licking the back of his neck. He turned slowly. The fog. It had returned from its watchful place above the water, but was now moving back over the sides of the ship. Then, the sounds of men. Shouting, hollering whooping, snarling. The disembodied voices of invading forces echoed throughout the fog around the ship. Fitzgerald cried out in terror, pulling the rifle from his shoulder. The ships. They must have waited for the fog to return. Now they were pulling up alongside the Night Stalker. They were going to board her. A bloodthirsty mob was hard enough to repel with a hundred men, Fitzgerald thought. He was only one. He rushed to the head of the bridge, pausing at the wooden barrier. He scanned the edges of the deck with the rifle, desperate to ascertain the invader's point of entry before the fog obscured it. It was no use. The fog had arrived and hung lower than before. He could see nothing. He heard a great crashing sound from the stern head. A wooden board, no doubt used to ferry across a band of marauding French, or Spanish, or even pirates. Fitzgerald stood, his legs shaking beneath him, his teeth chattering from the cold. Then the sounds of footsteps, not just from the stern, but from port, starboard, even behind him on the bridge. Have at it, you devils! Fitzgerald cried out. 
If he was to be killed, he would die like a man. He fired the rifle blindly into the fog, the force of its shot kicking it back into his shoulder, causing him to drop it over the side of the bridge. It clattered down onto the deck below. Christ in heaven! Fitzgerald shouted, drawing his father's pistol and carefully sidestepping through the fog, one hand on the rail of the bridge guiding him to the stairs. He heard the laughter and shouts of the invaders all around him, but could see none. Then he felt a sharp pain in his arm, followed closely by the unmistakable sound of a rifle shot. He stumbled backwards, grabbing his arm where the pain originated. There was nothing. His uniform was unmolested, his flesh untorn. Yet it still howled with agony. Then he felt it again, four more shots, each one piercing him before he heard the sound. One in his shoulder, another in his thigh. The third glancing off his temple, the fourth in his chest. He stumbled and fell onto his back, firing his own pistol weakly up in the air as he did. His body ached and screamed in protest at the phantom pain that struck it. But he saw no physical signs of damage yet again. He moaned as he pulled Captain Bellwether's sword from its scabbard, leaning on it to push himself upwards. He could hear the invaders on both sets of stairs now. They would soon be upon him. He spun about wildly in the fog, slashing out with the sword. Come on, you devils! Stand and deliver! Stand and... His words cut off as he felt a deep slash across his chest, then another across the back of his legs. He fell to the deck, wailing, still striking out into the fog. The blows rained down on him, each one feeling like the burning hot strike of a poker, fresh from a fire. He screamed at his unseen assailants until his voice was hoarse and his throat cracked with the dryness of his screams. Then it stopped. The slashes and stabs and cuts all ceased. The footsteps retreated, slower than before. Less the ferocious pounding of murderous feet, more the gentle plodding of a man strolling with a lover down the street. Fitzgerald did not move. He remained on his back, one hand searching his body. He was untouched, not a single mark upon his person, not a single tear in his uniform. I must be going mad, Fitzgerald thought. Perhaps he was already dead. Every blow from those wretched marauder's blades had left their marks, but he was already severed from his body, floating amongst the fog on his way to Christendom. Fitzgerald hoped this was the case. He could take no more. But then, the cannon fire returned, all four sides of the ship echoing and cracking with a cacophony of explosions. The bastards must be intent on sending me to the depths, Fitzgerald thought, deliriously, as he raised his torso upwards. He pushed down on Bellwether's sword, burying it into the deck as he stumbled for the stairs. He slipped on the blood-soaked stairs and tumbled down them, landing in front of a cannon. Fitzgerald laughed through gritted teeth as the cannon fire rung out around him, deafening him. Perhaps these phantoms would like some return fire, he thought. He straightened himself and expected the cannon. It appeared to be loaded, but he couldn't be sure. With great effort, he pulled the cannon back out of the porthole and looked inside. Sure enough, an 18-pound ball sat within. Pushing it back into position, Fitzgerald grabbed the box nearest the cannon and opened it. 
Inside were all the tools for the maintenance and firing of a cannon. Balls for ammunition, a sponge attached to a piece of wood to cool and clean the cannon after firing. Gunpowder and taper paper and matches for lighting. Quickly, Fitzgerald scooped a handful of gunpowder from the bucket and poured it into the vent of the cannon at its rear. He grabbed the taper paper and the matches and looked out into the fog. He had no idea where the ships were. The fog was so thick that he could not even discern the flash of the cannons when they fired. He paused for a moment. How had these men still not managed to strike damage to the ship? They had even boarded. Yet here he was, seemingly undamaged. Here the Night Stalker was. As fresh and as mobile as it had been when it left Coombe Harbour. He shook his head to banish the thoughts. Wanderings were for after a battle. That's one thing he could remember the men saying time and time again over the past two months. He lined the cannon upwards slightly to enable more distance for the shot, and took a breath. He prayed he was a better shot than these unseen enemies. He struck the match and lit the paper paper. His hand exploded with a sudden rush of fire. Fitzgerald screamed, realizing his hands were coated with gunpowder. Wailing, he stood up and rushed to a barrel of water next to the cannons. He plunged his hands in, eyes stinging with the smoke, his throat coughing and retching from the stench of his own scorched flesh. He slid down to the deck, looking at his hands. What had been soft white flesh, unmarked and unblemished from labour and a life of toil, were now cracked, red and broken. Fitzgerald cried unabated. He was finished. He was not a naval man. He could not sail a ship. He could not fight off beasts in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He could not even fire a cannon without wounding himself like a child playing with a bread knife. He screamed out, his mournful cries mixed with his agonized wailing. Come on, you animals! Finish it! Finish your work, devils! The cannon fire stopped. Silence returned to the Night Stalker, broken only by Fitzgerald's intermittent weeping. He looked around the deck, expecting to see Spanish or French uniforms emerge from the shield of fog that still hung low. But nothing and no one appeared. Fitzgerald pushed his feet against the deck, shoved his back against the side of the ship. With great effort, he stood up and looked out across the ocean. Still, nothing took shape amongst the smoke and fog. Then, off the starboard side, a great orange light appeared. Then one off port, then the stern. All around him a maelstrom of orange light and great piercing heat. Finally, Fitzgerald saw something other than phantoms. Fire ships. Great galleons all ablaze. This was one aspect of naval warfare Fitzgerald knew of. A ship set ablaze and cast off in the direction of the enemy fleet. The last hope of a retreating force, or the arrogant insult of a vastly superior force. Fitzgerald stood watching the galleons ablaze like great demons rising from the ocean. He laughed at the inevitability of his fate. He was too in pain, too frightened, too desperate to care any longer.
If they wanted a fire ship, they would get one. Sheafing Bellwether's sword back into its scabbard, crying out at his scorched hands as he did, Fitzgerald stumbled across the deck as the fog retreated away from him. Perhaps the impending fiery doom of the ships had frightened even the natural elements of the world, Fitzgerald thought. He stumbled down the blood-soaked steps and into the bows of the ship. In the storeroom he found what he was looking for. The gunpowder. Barrels and barrels of it. Tearing a strip of cloth from a nearby store, he wrapped his hands, wincing at the pain. He grabbed a barrel and pulled out the stop, spilling some of the contents. He flung gunpowder across the barrel, stepping back with every toss. Slowly but surely he made his way through the ship, through the men's quarters, through the kitchen, even Bellwether's office, until he was back on the now fog-cleared deck. He tossed gunpowder everywhere until he reached the bridge and the barrel ran dry. Mindful of his previous error, he undid his bandages and shook the loose specks of gunpowder, gingerly wiping his hands. He then returned to the deck and searched the barrels for what he had hoped was stored above deck. He had no time re to return to the bowels of the ship. On the third barrel, he struck gold. Black gold. Tar. He grabbed it with great pain and upended it over the deck. The gunpowder would light the tar, spreading the flames quicker. He looked around the night stalk. Fire ships loomed all around. There was nothing else in the world to look at for Barney Fitzgerald. It didn't even seem as if they were on the open ocean anymore. Instead, these great fire ships seemed to be suspended in an endless black void as they marched towards him slowly but surely. Fitzgerald laughed as he pulled out his father's pistol and cocked it. He crouched down to the gunpowder and looked up. If we are to go to hell, let us go together, friends. Fitzgerald fired the empty pistol, the spark lighting the gunpowder. It fizzed and sparked into life, trailing around the ship. Fitzgerald stood up and walked slowly to the edge of the bridge. He had no desire to watch his end unfold, and stood facing away from the ship. He closed his eyes and waited, his hands resting on the stern's wooden edge. Then he felt something cross his charred hands. It was rough and coarse. He opened his stinging eyes and looked. Rope. He grabbed it and pulled. The rope was connected to something not aboard the ship. He looked down over the side with equal parts fear and excitement in his heart. There, bobbing gently on the black ink of the sea, a lifeboat, a small wooden dinghy. Fitzgerald exploded with laughter and turned back to the Night Stalker. The tar on the deck had finally been reached by the snaking flames of the gunpowder. The flames were climbing the masts, the sails curling and smoking as they struggled to remain attached. Fitzgerald climbed up onto the edge of the Night Stalker's deck and looked up at the crow's nest high above the ship. Funny, he thought. What had felt like the best place to be on the ship had suddenly become the greatest point of danger. The heat picked up and Fitzgerald knew it was now or never. He dived off the ship, falling for a moment before plunging deep into the sea. Breaking the surface, he swam with great effort and pain, the salt of the sea stinging his wounded hands anew, his uniform threatening to drag him beneath. After what felt like an eternity, he felt the well-worn wood of the dinghy. He pulled himself up, shouting with the effort as the boat bucked and bobbed, as if it were resisting his attempts, until he finally tumbled in. 
Quickly he righted himself and pulled Bellwether's sword from his belt and cut the rope connecting him to the Nightstalker. Immediately the dinghy started drifting backwards away from the ship. Fitzgerald watched as the fire ships drifted closer and closer to the Nightstalker. All of a sudden the Nightstalker's deck exploded with cannon fire. The crashing booms of the cannons echoed across the ocean as Fitzgerald watched the dying ship let out his last stand of fire. Clearly the heat of the ship and the snaking gunpowder had lit the cannons. The fire ships rocked and buckled under the assault from the Night Stalker's 100 guns. Fitzgerald watched sails and masts all fall away and crumble onto the decks. He whooped and hollered. He may have abandoned ship, he thought, but he had won. Then the Night Stalker exploded. The entire ship blew outwards, raining a sea of smouldering and flaming wreckage all around the little dinghy. Fitzgerald threw himself down into the boat, arms covering himself from the deluge. When the sounds of falling wooden debris seemed to end, he looked up in time to see the Night Stalker and every single fire ship slip into the depths, their flames finally extinguished. Fitzgerald laid down in the dinghy. He had done it. He had survived. And without a single member of the crew, not a single officer, not even the captain, the cowards had abandoned him, clearly, leaving him to face the foes of the British Navy. All he needed was himself. Despite some scorched hands, he had done an admirable job, he thought. Fitzgerald's thoughts were broken by the sudden sound of something rolling around the boat next to him. He sat up and pushed aside the two oars. Beneath them, nestled amongst a folded sail, a half-full bottle of rum. Fitzgerald laughed heartily as he popped the cork from the bottle and drank heavily and quickly. He leant back in the boat. Someone would come along and find him soon, he was sure of it. However, the supply ship would still be some miles away, and as such Fitzgerald resigned himself to his rum with glee. He would be regarded a hero, no doubt, despite the loss of the Night Stalker. When the whole crew had absconded, midshipman Barney Fitzgerald alone had remained. Through fog, Phantoms and fire ships, he had remained. With this thought in his mind, Barney Fitzgerald closed his eyes and promptly fell asleep. He awoke with a start to the sound of wood knocking against wood. Bleary eyed, Fitzgerald looked up to see himself knocking against a large ship. It was still dark, or perhaps he had slept and drifted for an entire day, he did not know. The empty rum bottle clinked at his feet as he rose. Above him, he could see atop the deck a few milling crew. Hey there! Ho! Man down here! Toss me a rope! After a moment, a rope came tumbling down. Fitzgerald grabbed it and, wincing with the remembered pain of his hands, began to climb. He must have lucked out and found the supply ship. After the night he had had, he deserved some mercy from the heavens, he thought. Reaching the top, Fitzgerald slung himself over the side of the ship. Looking around, he saw the crew, who were strangely unperturbed by the sight of man boarding their ship. Every single one was engaged in their work. None looked in his direction. Near to him, a man was bent over a cannon, cleaning the sides with a rough piece of wire. Fitzgerald walked over to him. I say, good man, where is your captain? I am midshipman Barney Fitzgerald of the HMS Nightstalker. I have a terrible tale to tell. 
The man continued his cleaning, unresponsive to Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald looked around him. He could still see no man's face. However, he felt a growing sense of unease and a chill emanating in his stomach as he looked across the ship. The ship looked familiar. I say, man, what ship is this? The supply frigate? The man continued to ignore him. Fitzgerald grew angry and advanced on him. Man, when an officer is... Fitzgerald stopped as he turned the man to face him. He was faced with his own image. The man looked exactly like him. The wavy black hair, the chiseled jaw. But his eyes were hazy and milky. His figure was gaunt and haggard. Fitzgerald stumbled away from his doppelganger, fear striking his heart like the phantom daggers of the night before. One by one, every man on the ship turned to face him. One by one, Barney Fitzgerald saw his own face staring back at him. Every man of every rank, in every uniform, in every state, was Barney Fitzgerald. Barney Fitzgerald at the cannon. Barney Fitzgerald clinging to the rigging. Barney Fitzgerald poring over a map with another. Fitzgerald stumbled and turned to run up the stairs of the bridge, but stopped when he saw another doppelganger dressed in the garb of the captain. Fitzgerald's face contorted with fear and horror as he dropped to his knees. What? What is this? What is this place? The captain Fitzgerald looked down at him with glassy eyes. Welcome to the HMS Nightstalker. The captain turned took off his hat, placed it on the helm, then jumped off the side of the ship. Fitzgerald looked around him, petrified, as the crew all surrounded him. What in, in the devil? Why did he... where did he... The Fitzgerald who greeted him at the cannon placed a hand on his shoulder and simply said, He knows now. The sea of Fitzgeralds all nodded as they stared at Fitzgerald on his knees. Fitzgerald swallowed and spluttered his entire body convulsing and shaking with fear. Looking up the sea of his own faces, he scanned them quickly and his eyes came to rest on the belt of the man closest to him. His father's pistol hung there, loaded. Fitzgerald lunged forward, grabbing the gun, raised it to his head. The crew all grabbed him quickly, removing the gun from his grasp as he wailed in protest like an animal caught in a trap. They wrenched Fitzgerald from his knees and dragged him down the steps. They tossed him to the deck and dropped a bucket in front of him filled with water, a sponge floating on its surface. Hop to it, man, a Fitzgerald said. The crew all returned to their work. Up on the bridge, a Fitzgerald approached the helm and grabbed the captain's hat and put it on. Fitzgerald looked around him, a sea of his face all working in tandem, all working with no complaint. At the edge of the ship, the fog returned colder than before. Fitzgerald reached into the bucket and started cleaning the deck. Around him, the men began singing a song. Over the waves, waves of the Their voices all mingled together with the fog as Fitzgerald slowly joined in. Captain Bellwether spotted the supply ship through the telescope. It was a mere 50 miles away, hanging off the coast of Bermuda. 
The two-day journey had been an easy one, aside from the first night in which a fog had descended for an hour before retreating back over to the sea. It had added no more than a few hours to their journey. Bellwether had been informed the morning after that midshipman Barney Fitzgerald had gone missing that night, along with the lifeboat and Bellwether's prized sword gifted to him by Lord Nelson. Bellwether had been gripped with rage ever since, but as he saw the supply ship in the distance, now he accepted the crime as the acts of a foolish and arrogant young man. Barney Fitzgerald would either be claimed by the sea or picked up by another ship and executed for theft. By the time news of his crime met his father back in England, there would be nothing he could do to stop it. Nor, Bellwether thought, would he attempt to. Despite his poor attempts at raising an honourable man, Reginald Fitzgerald was one, and would no doubt accept his son's punishment as just and true. Bellwether looked down at the deck of the Night Stalker and watched his men work. They were good men, good sailors and naval men, one and all. They all knew their place within the confines of this ship. They knew their duty to themselves, each other, and the flag that was flying briskly in the sky above them. They were good men. Midshipman Barney Fitzgerald was an outlier, unworthy to sail with such men. It would have taken him a hundred years to learn even a fraction of what these men had. One hundred long years indeed, Captain Bellwether thought, as he looked out at the open ocean in front of him. Lost, trapped on a phantom ship between our world and another. Midshipman Barney Fitzgerald fought as well as he could aboard the HMS Night Stalker, but in the end he did not learn the lessons taught by the cruel teacher that is the sea. Instead of looking to his fellow seamen, he laughed at them, denigrated them, turned his back as to climb above them. In the end he climbed so high that the drop that befell him sunk him far below the surface to a world where he was no longer on a self-proclaimed pedestal. Perhaps one hundred years of service aboard the phantom HMS Nightstalk will teach Fitzgerald what it means to serve with men, respect them, and even love them. Or perhaps he will simply just sink further into the black depths of an endless ocean. And so, the fire dies. We will return, as we always do. Be sure to visit the still-burning fire of episodes gone by on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and on the Work Stories Repeat website. Fire continually burns on social media in the digital fireplace that is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The teller looks forward to welcoming you to the fire again. Farewell. <laughs>